We've got magic to do just for you. We've got miracle plays to play. We've got parts to perform, hearts to warm, kings and things to take by storm as we go along our way. I can't remember if it was last week I said, I don't know if I can still sing to somebody. I think I, I'm hoping I still can. The reason I wanted to start today with that uh, song, which is from the musical Pippin. Indeed, not the same Pippin that was <laughs> mentioned before, different Pippin. Um, as I, I think actually the musical is very pertinent to this idea of transforming death. The premise of the musical Pippin is basically all about the leading player, the character that I got to play when I did the show. Thank you very much. Um, uh, trying to convince Pippin to perform the ultimate magic trick. It is a macabre way of presenting the idea of death as magic and transformative, but it makes for surprisingly good theater. There have been many interpretations of the musical Pippin, but for me, the story is about the miracle of transformation in general. The central character, Prince Pippin, who only bears a slight resemblance to the actual historical figure, is on a quest to find meaning and significance in his life. In the end of the musical, the leading player, played originally by Ben Vereen, and then in the recent revival, rival by Patina Miller, um, basically, they tell Pippin that the ultimate magic trick that will be the most meaningful would be to perform a live self-sacrifice. <laughs> Ta-da! <laughs> Transformation. But in the real world, I think it's tough for us to receive a message like this, that death is somehow transformative, because we have so many emotions about it. Led by fear, we sometimes have shame and guilt and incredible anxiety, and not to mention some good old-fashioned sadness as well. So as I mentioned, I, I had an opportunity to perform in that show twice, actually, or versions of it. The first was in eighth grade. Um, there was lots of fun, though, in Framingham. And the second time I performed it was on the Song of America. It was actually the first show that I did on a ship, um, and I was accompanied by a dear friend of mine. His name is Andy. Um, and Andy and I have been very close since we both lived in Portland, Oregon, but uh, this week, um, my friend Andy's pit bull, Izzy, died after 11 years of long and fabulous life, and I was crushed. Uh, not only because Izzy's departure immediately brings up thoughts of the inevitable day when I will say a final farewell to my own dear Olive, but because I know so deeply what Izzy meant to Andy. She came into his life at a time when things were really, really tough and disjointed for him. And I remember thinking, is this such a good idea? Is this really what you need right now? And indeed, Izzy was exactly what he needed. I look at Andy today, and he is transformed because of his relationship with Izzy. He's restored. I think at the darkest of moments, he found just a little bit of hope in Izzy's eyes, a creature whose only goal 
was to give him an unending supply of unconditional hope and love. Dear Izzy, mission accomplished. Good girl. Beyond the sadness, though, Izzy's passing and the other losses that I've shared with people in recent weeks have made me think quite a lot about death. It's interesting because I came up with this sermon and this theme and topic like months ago, but the world aligned so that I would have some immediate feelings to reflect upon. Now, let me say right up front, I know that not everyone likes to talk about death and I ask you to take care of yourself as I continue. Death is scary. It is really our ultimate unknown. And at the same time, I feel like we in the United States, and specifically in Unitarian Universalism, we don't talk enough about it. We don't have a cultural language that at once makes death very real, but also gives us comfort of some kind. We're so focused on being doers that the last thing any one of us wants to talk about is when we can no longer do stuff. It's an incredible loss for us. Frailty, incomprehension, isolation. This is hard. As part of my work here at First Parish, I'm committed to helping us learn more ways to face what we feel about death, whether it is our own mortality or the mortality of those we love. Certainly, there is no universal one-size-fits-all method to face things, but opening up the space so that we can regularly talk about death and dying and loss and grief gives us more opportunities to be better with one another about death. This is, after all, something we all face. So here I am a week after telling you to have more fun, <laughs> prattling on about death. Indeed. There seems to be an incredible amount of death in our world and consciousness these days, so maybe it's just on my mind, like everyone else. Daily reports about public shootings, ongoing war and refugees displaced, our own president speaking casually yesterday about applying the death penalty to drug offenders. It seems as if so much has gone so completely off the rails it is extremely impersonal as well. Many people in our communities are experiencing this modern era as an incredible loss of control, where all of a sudden, things that were predictable and reliable are no longer there for us. The rule of law, safety in public space, the ability to earn and support ourselves, everything is up for grabs. It is no wonder to me, then, that some of the recent conversations I've had with people about death and dying are about ways to make their death or the death of a loved one orderly and somehow correct. I've watched as people work really hard to create a structure for loss, a framework for it. Now, let me go back a little bit. What I'm calling today the magic or miracle of death is the absolute cavernous unknown that it represents. And damn, it's terrifying. It's illogical. It's brutal and sudden, no matter when it comes. But the purpose of someone in my role, the purpose of a community like this, is to make, make sure 
that as we all experience the horror of solid ground dropping from under us, we've got someone's hand to hold who is just as scared as we are, as we are all falling. You are not alone. I mentioned a framework that some people seek to put around death, which may be everything from burial plans to what people should or should not wear at their memorial service. But framework is very different, I believe, than context. The context of how we understand mortality is what I believe becomes our guide to death. It's not as simple to say that we all die when it's your beloved spouse who is taking their last breath. It's not as easy to be brave when you receive the potentially terminal diagnosis. It is for this reason that at some point I think we have to put down the planning and the invitation lists and hold on to the context of what life means and what it means to just be. The word prayer bristles for some people, but it is a word that I frequently use despite knowing that it rubs some people the wrong way. And I want to take a moment to explain what it means for me personally to pray. For me, prayer is the opportunity to seek the context that I'm talking about. In what I call prayer, I'm able to ask questions. I'm able to say that I am frustrated and that I don't understand. And for some people, they do these same things, and they express it as giving over their burden to God or a divine spirit. And I suppose on a certain level, I'm doing the same thing. But my divine spirit is our shared lived experience. Prayer is my most intimate way of being present to my deepest fears and anxieties. For me, it's a bit like writing something down that you don't want to forget and putting it down on a piece of paper. I put it out there into the energy of the world so that I don't have to hold on to it so tightly. I'm not looking for an answer or a solution in my prayer. I'm simply seeking to be heard in existence. I'm convinced that each of us needs to find some way to pray, whether you want to call it that or not, to face our mortality, to face loss and death, to find peace with these final facts of life. We must put the doing on pause and sink into our being. And that being is not all singing bowls, incense, and downward dog. Sometimes it is convulsive sobbing or wrenching pain. It is grief with a capital G. One way that we can move to a place of being able to regard death as a miracle is to understand that magic and miracles aren't always about good. The fires that burned in California recently were miraculous in their scale, as an example. So the miracle of death is neither good nor bad. Death is a miracle of completion of life. The fact that our lives can be a complete circle of experience, that we leave an impression with the world and that our bodies return to the soup of creation is a miracle. 
When my dear high school friend, Denise, died at 36 from breast cancer, I had many thoughts. I had known her since we were both 10 years old, and I had watched our lives converge and diverge, and I watched her literally grow up. Amidst my agony at her loss, something struck me. In dying, she had done the most grown-up thing possible. She had gotten to the end of the race, albeit too soon. Although it didn't dampen the pain, realizing the completeness of her journey helped me find a context for the inexplicable absence. We cannot change what death is. It is a fact, and it is final. But we can change how we embrace death and how we create a context for it. If we take time to think about it and talk about it with each other, if rather than focusing only on the party planning, if we can find a way to sit with each other and sit with the being and sometimes the pain of mortality, it may feel just a little bit better to know we aren't alone. As a community of love, we can be part of the context for each other, and that in itself is a miracle. As we each face our own and our shared griefs, may we always remember that we've got magic to do. Blessed be.